I'm glad that you're here tonight. And for the next few minutes, what I really want to do is I want to take a couple minutes to just talk about why it is that we celebrate. I don't know why it is that you're here. Maybe you're here tonight because it's Christmas and what you're supposed to do at Christmas is go to a candlelight Christmas Eve service. Or maybe you're here tonight because your grandma made you come, you know, and just kind of pushed you in the car and said, you're going to the service. Or maybe you're just here because you go to church. But what I want you to hear tonight is there's a very specific reason that we celebrate this day. And it's a very important day to those of us who call ourselves Christians. And I want to talk about that. And I want to do this really with just two verses. I want to read to you two verses from the Bible. And I want to tell you what those two verses have to do with Christmas and why it's a day that we celebrate. You know, why is it that we put on the red and the green? And why is it that we have the songs and the feasts and the parties and the presents? Why do we do all of those things? It's not just because of culture. It's not just because of tradition. It is because there is a reason behind it. And it's something that changed my life. And it's something that I hope, if you haven't heard this before, will change your life tonight as well. So I want to share this with you. And I just want to give you a chance tonight to respond to it. So I want to talk about that for just a little bit. So before I read the first verse, I would just tell you, you know, if you grew up in Texas, went to high school in Texas, chances are you probably studied Greek mythology. Uh, in my high school, we had to read this book by Edith Hamilton uh, called Mythology. Learned about, you know, a lot of different Greek gods. And the Greek god that probably stands above the rest that we remember and we sort of kind of think of the way that gods are supposed to be is based on the Greek god of thunder and lightning, the god Zeus. You've probably seen images of Zeus over the years, muscular, typically holding a lightning bolt in his hand, you know, really kind of looking awesome, like he's supposed to be strong and powerful and mighty and this sort of thing. And if you don't know this, if you've never really read the Bible before, you may not know that a lot of the things that the writers of the Bible are doing is they are trying to combat the way that others worshiped false gods. And so whenever you read about Jesus, you're going to discover that a lot of the things about Jesus and about the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, are intentionally described to show you how the God of the Bible is different from other gods. And so when we think about Zeus, the way that it kind of works is that just most of us, because we've been sort of brought up in a culture that uses God as sort of this vague term that may or may not really have any meaning in it, a lot of times we think about God in Zeus-like terms. We think of God as strong or powerful or mighty only. And so we may have a little bit different picture. Maybe he has a long gray beard and sits on a throne somewhere in heaven making decisions, that sort of thing. But I want you to know that whenever we look at the God of the Bible, there is an intentional decision on the part of the God of the Bible to differentiate himself from the gods of antiquity. Now, to do that, I want to, before I read these two verses, I want to tell you that I think that we can probably understand the God of the Bible and Christmas best if we use two verses that both feature a blanket. And this blanket, really, just a simple piece of cloth, helps us understand how the God of the Bible chose to be very different from any other God in antiquity. You see, first, 
Zeus reveals himself to be powerful and mighty. But I want you to think about how the God of the Bible enters into the world. If we go to the first verse I want to read tonight, in Luke chapter 2, in verse 12, the angel appears to the shepherds and says this, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. If you grew up reading the King James Version like I did, you know that that's typically called swaddling clothes, but basically it's just a tightly wrapped blanket around a baby. Now, why would God do that? You know, God is going to reveal himself to the world. It's time to have his sort of coming out party where he's going to say, I'm here and I'm here to let you know that I'm ready to be with the people of planet earth. And he reveals himself not as a bodybuilder, not with macho or machismo. He doesn't come in with any kind of the standard protocol of power that we would inspect. Instead, he shows up as a baby. A baby that has to be wrapped in a blanket, literally born and placed in a feeding trough. This God has to be fed. This God has to be changed. Why would the God of the Bible choose to reveal himself in that way? Well, there's a very specific word that the Bible uses to describe Jesus coming to be among us, God in flesh, and that word is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means literally God with us. I don't know about you, but for me, 2022 has had some surprises. You know, 2022 has thrown some punches my way that I did not see coming. And I would imagine in this room, there's probably been all of us who've seen things happen in 2022 that we did not expect. You know, we've had a diagnosis or a tragedy or loss or a betrayal or some kind of relationship fell apart, or something like that. And what I want you to hear is this, is that whenever I have those kinds of things happen in my life, what I typically do is I do not call the people who are going to show up and sermonize. I also don't call the people who are going to give me manipulative, heavy-handed advice. You know who I call? I call the people who will just... Be with me. They'll sit there. They may cry with me, put their arms around me, but they'll comfort me by their presence. God with us. What I want you to hear is that the miracle and the beauty of Christmas is that God gave himself to us because here's the truth. Whether you believe in God or not, everyone will be hit by the destruction of this world. Everyone will face tragedy. Everyone will undergo loss and pain and betrayal and hurt. That will happen to every person on this planet. The difference between Christians and non-Christians is that Christians choose to believe in a God who is with us. And I don't know about you, but I've discovered that this life is hard enough and I don't want to go at it alone. And we've got family and we've got friends and we've got people who we think will always be with us, but this is what I've discovered. 
People, for whatever reason, sometimes are not able to be there for us, but the Bible tells us God will never leave you, God will never forsake you, and Jesus is his demonstration of that promise. He entered into our world, into our mess. I want you to think about this. Jesus, in his heavenly home, chooses to become a baby, chooses to go through puberty, I mean, who would do that, right? God chooses those things to demonstrate, I will go to any lengths to be with you. That's the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible draws near to humanity. The God of the Bible sees us and does not push away. The Bible tells us that God did not send his son into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, but to save the world. God wants to be with you. And if you're here tonight wondering, does God truly see me? Does God truly care about me? Does God truly want to have a relationship with me? Jesus is God's answer to that question. And the answer is a resounding yes. God with us. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, well, I mean, Steve, that sounds great, But why didn't God, if he's with us, stop all the bad stuff from happening? Like, why didn't he stop the loss or the pain or the death or the tragedy, those kinds of things? And I want to be clear, I don't know the mind of God. I I can't give a definitive answer to that question. But I also know this, that God has said that he wants to be with us so badly that he will be with us in the midst of all of the pain that we endure but also he will be with us and his desires to be with us into eternity. The Bible is clear that we are created as eternal beings. This is the reason that whenever we lose someone and we feel grief, it hurts because we were created to be with one another forever. And our relationship with God is not any different either. We're intended, we're created to be with God forever. And I want you to hear this. God went through great lengths to be with us here in this life so that we could know his presence by becoming flesh. But God also entered into this world and became flesh so that he could be with us in the next life. Now, if we were gonna plot a rescue, right? If we were gonna say, okay, we want a God who will be with us and will save us, will rescue us, what kind of God would we draw up? I mean, I don't know exactly, but it'll be like, okay, I'm kind of into this Zeus thing. I get that. So I would probably want Jesus to show up carrying an AR, right? I'd be like, okay, I want Jesus with a machine gun to come riding in and to take care of the bad guys. Now, you think it would be hard to find a picture of Jesus with a machine gun, but you would be wrong because Google is full of them, right? Um, There was another one of Jesus with a machine gun riding a T-Rex that filled just a little over the top for Christmas to me. So I went with the the kinder, gentler Jesus with the machine gun. All right. Now, I mention this because I think this is how most of us would kind of picture the way that God ought to rescue. We picture a God who wants to come in and to kill. But again, that's not the way that the God of the Bible reveals himself, is it? So how far would the God of the Bible go to save us? How far would the God of the Bible go to be with us forever? Well, let me read the second verse. At the end of that same book, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 53, Jesus has been crucified. And Joseph of Arimathea shows up to ask for his body. And this is what we read. 
taking it down, it referring to his body, he wrapped it in fine linen and placed it in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever been placed. You see, the God of the Bible became flesh not only to endure the humility of becoming a babe that had to be cared for to demonstrate his desire to be with us, but the God of the Bible also became flesh to let you know that his desire is to be with you into eternity, and he would do anything to do that, including die for you. The Bible is clear that each of us have gone astray like sheep, that we've pushed back against what it is that God wants for each of us. We've rebelled against his way. And the Bible is also clear that people like that, people who have been sinful and have rebelled, can't come into the presence of God because the holiness of God, the glory of God is so powerful, it would literally destroy us as we came into his presence. The only way that we could come into his presence would be if we had been completely cleaned washed clean of our sin. So how would that happen? Well, the Bible talks a lot about sacrificial systems, but what's beautiful is that God did not require our death to pay the penalty of our sin, and God did not require sacrifices either. God said, I'm going to show you. I want to be with you, God with you, God with us, so badly that not only will I become human to live among you and to show you the way to live in this life, I'll also be God with us in this way. I will die, and my death through my blood will cover your sin, and my death will be so potent that I will experience the spiritual death that you ought to experience. I will travel to the bowels of Hades for you so that I can experience those things in your place and then three days later, rise again. In a few months, we're gonna have another party, another celebration. We call it Easter. It has nothing to do with the rabbit or eggs, even though that's fun. It has everything to do with the fact that Jesus got up out of the grave, conquering death, meaning that those who place his or her faith in Jesus have the same promise that they can be with him forever. So eternity, according to the scripture, begins whenever we decide that Jesus really is God in flesh, that Jesus really is the one who died to pay the penalty for our sin, that Jesus really is the one who conquered the grave. You see, Jesus was swaddled in a blanket at his birth, and he was swaddled at his death, wrapped in a blanket in both places, so that you could know that he became a baby to pursue you, and he went into the tomb to rescue you. That's the beauty of Christmas. And I don't know about you, but that makes me want to celebrate. And that's what changed my life. When I placed my faith in Jesus, and I understood that I had been saved, and I had been rescued, and I have a God who will walk with me. And I don't know about you, but I've gone through some pretty terrible stuff in my life. And people have abandoned me, and people have turned their back on me, but he never has. He's always been with me. And I know that if he's been with me in this life, I can trust him that on the day that I breathe my last here, that my next breath will be in his presence into eternity because he did those things because he wants to be God with us. So the question now on Christmas 
It's how we'll respond to that. Because it is something worth celebrating, I truly believe. And I think that we need to decide what we want to do with that. Some of us in this room, we, we've believed this already, and it's why we're celebrating. But the others of us in this room who haven't believed, can I tell you something? Let me let you in on a secret. We're glad if you don't believe that you're here. But what every person in this room is praying is that today will be the Christmas that you will choose to believe in Jesus. That's what we're all hoping. We're all hoping that you'll go, you know what? I actually believe in this. I believe that Jesus is God in flesh. I believe that he showed us the way to live. I believe that he died a death on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I, I believe that he came back from the dead three days later to give me the promise of eternity. I believe that he will give me the power to live a new life even now. And if you believe that, you can place your faith in him today. In fact, right now, here in just a minute, I'm gonna pray and you can choose to do that. And if you have already believed in Jesus, well then, this will be your opportunity to say, I am celebrating. I'm celebrating because God loved me so much that he came for me and he rescued me and that is a God worth celebrating. So let's just pray together right now. Would you just bow your heads with me? And what I wanna do is just as we pray, I wanna just give you a chance. If you've heard this for the first time, we call this the gospel message, the good news, that God would come for us, that God would rescue us in the person of Jesus. If this is something that you've heard and you're ready to place your faith in for the first time, just where you're at quietly, to yourself, just, just pray with me. Pray something like this. God, I know that I haven't always done what's right, but I've heard this about Jesus tonight and I believe. I believe that he died for me, that he came for me, and that you want to be with me. God, I want to follow you all of my days. I give my life to you now. I place my faith in you, and I, I want to follow you as I believe and follow you in faith. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So glad that you joined us online today at Houston Northwest Church, where our vision is to make Houston more like heaven by helping Houstonians become more like Jesus. If you have questions about following Jesus or would like to talk to someone about next steps in your spiritual journey, text Jesus to 281-946-6500. Connect with us throughout the week by following us on social and enjoy a great day.